Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process, and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor. Hello again, and thank you for joining Finance with Factor for yet another episode. I'm very excited today to, one, welcome an old friend and wonderful guest, uh, and two, continue to announce that if you are listening to this, it's a bit of an echo chamber that you're actually listening. So me telling you about this promotion means you've probably already done this, but what you haven't done apparently is tell your friends. Everybody that subscribes to this podcast is going to be responsible for uh allowing me to make a $10 donation to the Friends of Boston Homeless. Together, our goal, I want to raise $1,000, so 100 new subscribers. And we can, with $1,000, take someone off the street, put them into safe, secure, affordable housing, and help them restart their lives and get off the street. So if you're listening to this, you've enjoyed any of my hot air that I blubber out about real estate over the past 80-something episodes of Finance with Factor, I highly encourage you to tell a friend to just subscribe. You don't even have to listen and I'll make a donation. Um, now, I do hope that you will listen to today's podcast. So let's get started. Uh, today, I have on a friend of mine. She is currently the mayor of Amesbury, Massachusetts, and she has experience as a realtor. She has experience as the director of Chamber of Commerce. So much so, in fact, that a couple of years ago, she wasn't running for mayor. She got written in, finished second, and as a result, decided maybe it was time to run for mayor and then got elected. Um, so today, I'm very happy to be joined by now Mayor Cassandra Gove. Uh, and today, we're going to talk a little bit about suburbanization, some of the trends that we are seeing in our local communities and in small towns across the country, really. Um, and I want to pick your brain, Cassandra, on a wide variety of topics and things that I hear borrowers talking about. I think you come with a tremendously unique and informed perspective. But before I do all of that, um, perhaps I should give you a chance to introduce yourself. Great, thank you so much. It's really great to be here. I have uh, been following along. So proud of you for starting a podcast and having so many great guests. So uh, yes, I am the mayor of Amesbury, Massachusetts. I uh, grew up here in town, I'm a fifth generation native. I have a long history and a lot of roots here. Uh, a lot of family businesses through those generations and uh, some some history with working with homeowners uh, through real estate. I was a residential and commercial realtor while I was working at the Chamber of Commerce and got really involved in how things work in our city and uh, really interested in how to make them better. And so uh, do come to you today with a unique uh, and varied background uh, and have brought all of that with me to the mayor's office. And what sparked some of this was one, I always enjoy catching up with you. So you, you can't escape me for that long. We haven't talked real estate in a long time since you've become mayor, but I still like to text her every once in a while. And I saw that you were featured in the Boston Business Journal uh, for an article about some of the impacts that COVID has had on local and small communities and some of the things that you in particular are doing in Amesbury. 
Um, and that was really cool. And so I wanted to reach out and it's a topic that I know is timely and something that I wanted to pick your brain about. Um, in particular, I guess maybe we start with some of the trends and things that we're seeing. Um, certainly as a realtor, you're very well aware, people's search radius has expanded exponentially. The demand for work from home um, or the ability to work from home has enabled people to, to expand their search, whereas you maybe need to be within a five mile, 30 minute, 40 minute radius of work before. I've seen people expand that statewide. Um, I'd be curious to see or hear about how that in particular has entered your consciousness as a leader in your town and some of the things that you're starting to hear more of that maybe you didn't hear before. Yeah, Amesbury, you know, we're an old city and we have a lot of people who have lived here for a long time, people just like me. And uh, we are starting to hear more and more that people are, are new here. They've just moved here. Um, they sort of stumbled upon us. Um, and that was, you know, that's, it's new for us. They're moving here from the city. They found us to be this great location and this quintessential New England community. We are on the um, sort of intersections of 95 and 495 uh, with great access to New Hampshire and Maine and also to the city. So if you do have a job in the city, but you don't have to be there as much anymore, you could zip in one or two days a week. You could take the train from Newburyport, which is just nearby. Um, but you could also go to your lake house or your beach house or head to the mountains in the winter and sort of get the, the best of all worlds. Uh, so we have found a lot of people moving here from the city. We hear more and more from folks who um, we have some community forums online. They say, you know, I'm looking for a house in Amesbury or I'm, I'm just about to close. I just moved here. And this is where we're coming from. We're seeing a lot of cities closer uh, to Boston. Have you seen a growth in, I know since this information just came out, um, have you actually seen a growth in population or diversity in town? We've seen both and the census numbers are, are difficult to decipher because it's a 10 year span. So did it all happen this year? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but, but it all happened due to your amazing <laughs> leadership, obviously. <laughs> but we have seen um, almost a 7% growth in our population wow. over the last 10 years, which is significant. Absolutely. Um, you know, it is a very desirable community to be in and, um, and it's great to see. We've also seen, you know, you mentioned diversity and, and admittedly, we are a very white community. We always have been, again, I, I grew up here, sort of always been like that. And uh, we have seen a significant increase, uh, double and triple numbers in um, those who identify as, um, you know, other multi-Black, um, Latino um, in the census numbers. So Interesting. Uh, we're, we're thrilled with that, that they feel welcome and, uh, and want to be here and are um, conscious and engaging in activities and programs and initiatives for equity and inclusion as well. Well, how does that, so I, I'd be curious, how does that impact? So small town America, Amesbury is a very small local community. Like, honestly, you could plop in the middle of Iowa. And if it wasn't for the beach, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is a quintessential New England town, but it's also typical small town America. I love it. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden you've got a 7% interest or a 7% growth. Your diversity is changing. Your perspectives are changing. Your priorities are changing. 
as a leader in town, how do you start to adjust for that? I mean, whether it's from an infrastructure standpoint or a, um, I guess, how, how do you do it from, from an infrastructure standpoint? How do you absorb that kind of capacity? Yeah, it's um, it's a great question. And it's sort of this balance, right? I think we were on this trajectory of growth for a long time and sort of, I call them big, shiny things. We were looking for big commercial developers and we were looking for sort of like an anchor, um, you know, because we didn't really have that, that something that drew people here. Um, and we have something, you know, we have a few things coming with a few irons in the fire. Um, but for me, I really came into office focused on the basics, uh, sort of taking care of what we already have and making sure that they were being maintained and that we had uh, plans in place to keep them up to date. And we didn't let anything fall into disrepair or what was already in disrepair, we could address and, mm-hmm. uh, and really think about what impacts people's day-to-day lives. How do they actually live within our community? Which that has changed over the last two years as well. So how, you know, like, so now you've got a growing population. Not only do you have a growing population, but they're actually here all the time. (laughs) Um, They never seem to leave. Um, So how do you, like, how do you take that on? What are some of the things that you have done in particular um, to accommodate the increased population with a growing demand for inclusion and that they're always here. Yeah, it is. It has been interesting that they're always here. You know, I I was new to the mayor's office, you know, pretty much as soon as the pandemic hit and uh, was getting a lot of phone calls about things that I I had to ask around and and say, you know, is this is this normal or is this new? And (laughs) uh, one in particular, good example for you is um, speeding. You know, there's we had a ton of calls about people speeding in their neighborhood. Um, the traffic was going too fast and they were um, you're not paying attention to the rules of the road. And uh, we all sort of got together, you know, me and the police department and, um, you know, DPW who sort of handles the, the road infrastructure and, and said, you know, this is really actually, this is actually very heightened. Um, and what we, our sort of conclusion uh, was that folks are home all day. They're home a lot more than they were before. And they're just more observant. They're able to see what's happening in their neighborhood more than ever before. And there are less cars on the road. So the ones out there are zipping around a little faster. It's, you know, maybe they're looking at their phones too, but it's a little easier to go over the speed limit and not, not notice. On an empty street. Sure. Right. So we've actually decreased the speed limit in our city. Uh, We've dropped it to 25 miles per hour. The signs are going up now. Uh, We had to do that through the state. You know, there's a process, but we have the ability to do it and felt like it would keep people safer. You know, a lot of people are out walking, they're riding their bikes, the kids are out in the neighborhood and it felt like the right thing to do for us. Um, I noticed, I've noticed a huge difference in that just in my town in, well, I shouldn't say I've noticed because so a little, a little observation about me and what I noticed, right? Um, we, <laughs> my son has been able, my oldest was able to go to school my um, four days a week last year. I honestly assumed that all of the kids were doing that. I didn't realize that it was just his school that was doing that. And so when I was shocked to learn that like everyone went back to school on X date or whatever, and I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, my wife was like, yeah, they've been home all year. And I looked around and I was like, I guess you're right. I have seen a lot of kids just wandering the neighborhood at 11 a.m. Like it never occurred to me that that kid should be in school. 
But mm-hmm. it, I mean, you're right. Like, so you've got this demand for safety, inclusion. Um, you've got this demand on the schools, obviously, to you know get back in person and, yeah. and be accommodating. Um, you have demand on public spaces, I would imagine, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how so? Now all of a sudden, you've got you have to kind of like you've always had places to play, right? Like, I mean, you've had public parks for playgrounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now all of a sudden you need to sort of create some hybrid spaces. It sounds like, cause you've got people at home yeah. that are working and people that are there to play at the same time. Right. So yeah. What, this is, um... what kind of stress does that put on a town like yours? <laughs> We've had some fun with it. Actually, this was sort of what the, um, the feature in the Boston business journal was about. We wrote this sort of like love letter to the commuter, <laughs> uh, because I was one, uh, you know, that's where we met was in Boston and, um, you know, you made use of your time of free public Wi-Fi on the train when you needed to. Uh, but now these folks are at home and yes, they're trying to get work done and hold meetings while the kids are at home or they're outside and they're uh, trying to get school done, but they're also running around and playing and need to socialize too. And, um, you know, we can talk more about sort of the housing stock in Amesbury, but not everyone has an at-home office. It looks like you might be in an office. I'm sitting in my living room. Um, and, and so we created this outdoor sort of communal office space where we installed free Wi-Fi. We put out some picnic tables, some tables and chairs, um, some taught lots sort of play equipment, musical instruments, these big flowers that, um, kind of like a xylophone have this, the big, um, uh, stick to, to play with, mm-hmm. um, we we're putting in a fireplace that's still not out there yet. It's coming, um, really cool bike racks you know so there's different ways to get there there's a, a solar powered charging station so if you're uh this handy dandy piece of technology we're all using now dies <laughs> you can plug that in but you can have your meeting or power through some emails while the kids play or um you know enjoy their lunch you know their snack break and um and do what you need to do out there and it's right in the heart of our downtown so we had a little bit of fun with it and just recognizing that people um, I think they were moving, they're moving to places like Amesbury because they need some space, uh, whether that's space in their home mm-hmm. or, or outdoor space. We have a lot of fields, a lot of trails and open space. Um, and we wanted to enable them to get out there uh, and, and make it in a way that things. in a way that sounds sustainable, like yeah. you're, you're solving an immediate problem while accommodating a future demand, mm-hmm. which is really unique and forward thinking. But I also I, I mean we're going to see it again this year. I mean, it's certainly not a trend that's going away. Right. Um, so I, I think that that's, there's a reason you were written up in the business journal. I think it's really <laughs> awesome that you guys are doing that. Um, yeah. but how are you funding that? Because I'm hearing about towns that are having massive shortfalls, right? So like towns whose businesses weren't open or p- people weren't paying business, uh, weren't paying taxes on properties and, um, rents that weren't going record. I mean, like I'm hearing about large shortfalls in some local towns, Um, but it sounds like you're still managing to make investments. So I'd be curious to pick your brain on a little bit about how Amesbury is managing that or, or what you guys are doing in particular to fund gaps if you've had them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I, I'll be sort of candid with you. I, you know, I was criticized in a way as I came into office that I wasn't a business person. I hadn't managed a $65 million budget, but a lot of people haven't. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you want to find someone who can pinch a penny, you find someone whose background is in uh, nonprofit management, right? <laughs> yes. So we've been there, you know, how do we make that go as far as we can? And um, we have done really well with leveraging other people's money and, um, you know, other funds. So we've gotten a lot of grant funding and, um, and really been very resourceful in um, accessing other funds. And, the, and we've been fortunate that over the last year and a half, there have been other funds available. And, and um, we've been thoughtful about how we use those, those sort of relief funds. Um, the, the pieces in our downtown, um, those were paid for by the shared streets and spaces money from DOT. And it was about getting people outside and sort of repurposing our public spaces. Our budget, uh, you know, aside from that, as we were able to sort of protect the budget by using other money, uh, has been, um, has done really well. We've been in a really fortunate place there too. We, uh, do rely heavily on our taxpayers for our general fund. And that uh, maybe is a double-edged sword, but this were, this year uh, served us well in that people still paid their mortgage. Um, you know, you would know what the foreclosure market is like. There hasn't been much, mm-hmm. <laughs> not what we saw 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it, so, and, it, and I know like, so from a home buying perspective, I mean, you see this as when you, during your time as well, you're still a licensed realtor, but when you were- actively pursuing clients as a realtor um like one of the first things that people ask is well about the assessment right like maybe some towns assess every year some towns assess blocks by quarter some it always depends but in general when you buy or sell close out a permit there's a chance you're going to get reassessed Mm -hmm. and and i know one conversation i've been having a lot with people is just the idea that like keep an eye out on those property taxes. They're probably going to go up. It's an easy place for a city or a town to make up some revenue because you just bought your house for $500,000. It was assessed for 350. It's now assessed for 400. And can you really complain? You just bought it for five and they assessed it for 400. You're still making out on this deal, right? But at the same time, like the town just made up $50,000 on your assessed value and they can plug their budget. But it sounds like you haven't even necessarily had to go to that as a strategy because you've been able to balance things and and find other resources. And I know Amesbury in particular, I mean, you guys kind of already had tapped that market in a way. So uh, kudos to you in in many ways for getting creative and not having to, to put extra burden on unnecessarily. Yeah, our evaluations are historically low, which is why our tax rate is historically high. Uh, and, you know, that's just how the equation works. And, um, and yes, people's um, purchase prices now are significantly higher than their appraised or their assessed value. Um, and, and that is that is slowly creeping up. Um, because again, it is a very desirable place and a lot of people are coming here and our, our days on market and the sales are turning over very quickly. We're seeing the same thing everyone else is with, uh, over asking offers by 50 and a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you know, it's, it's not a market that we've ever seen before. So, um, so, you know, that worked well for us. Um, you know, again, people were paying their mortgage, the taxes were coming in. We have a very small percentage of our budget made up by things like hotel, motel, restaurant taxes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not Newburyport. We're not a, a tourism destination. We weren't hit hard by that. 
Um, you know, they, we were very conservative in our budgeting um, and have actually, um, you know, really expect uh, a surplus at the end of this year. That's um, awesome. Congratulations. That's not what I'm hearing from local municipalities yeah. and, and leaders as I, as I talk and speak with people. Um, so kudos to you guys. You, yeah, I mean, we're really proud of that. Really proud of that. You know, we wrote, um, you know, again, people sort of looking at me as a, uh, as a new mayor and, and thinking about having to manage a budget like that. We wrote six budgets last year. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, now you're a vet. <laughs> Uh, we did one this year, but, um, you know, we, we fine tuned that budget, uh, before it was really passed, um, after, you know, we just weren't sure it was coming. We ended up with uh, month to month budgeting for three months. Um, and, and in the end, you know, we, we, again, were very conservative. We think we were very realistic in what we were expecting, um, very cautious, and we're going to end up with a, a pretty healthy surplus at the end of the year, which will, uh, roll over to, you know, our, our reserves and help us prepare for the next rainy day. Um, what in particular do you think is driving um, people to Amesbury in particular? I you know a moment to sell the town itself. Um, but I, I mean, I, I personally have loved working with you and your clients up there over the years um, when you were selling real estate. And I, I mean, I just, I've always enjoyed that market um, so I, I'd be curious to know from your perspective, um, has that conversation changed in any way over those last two years in particular, um, in terms of what people are looking for specifically in town and reasons that are maybe pulling them into town as you mind the, the forums and, and pull from your past experience selling in the area? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think um, my gut reaction is that, you know, for many years we were up and coming. People would say, oh, Amesbury, like they're, they're just like almost there. And I don't hear that anymore. It feels sort of like we've made it. Uh, you know, it's a very vibrant community. Yeah. <laughs> right. Three cheers for us. Um, it, it's, we have a long history. It's an old mill town that has this sense of grit and um, you know, real sort of like salt of the earth type of people where, you know, we'll help you with anything. We really come together. We'll shovel your driveway. We will, um, you know, help you in the house, you know, we'll, and we'll raise money for your sick child. Like we will do anything to help each other out. We're very tight knit community, but it is very vibrant. We have this history of innovation. We have um, three or four different mill buildings now that have been converted to maker spaces. And there's just a lot happening. Um, and our, and our location really does lend itself to many different interests and different, um, types of families. Again, you know, close to New Hampshire, Maine, the beaches, uh, near the city. And we have this really unique streetscape that we have this um, downtown center that you, where you get the brick sidewalks and the vintage lanterns and uh, hanging flowers and um, but you can go to the outskirts of town and walk the farm and the trails and uh, cross-country ski and uh, enjoy this you know very sort of outdoor activity centric um, you know community so uh, it it's sort of has something for everyone and I, 
I think that's, um, it's caught on, you know, people are hearing about us. We're in Boston Business Journal. We were in, um, I think it's Business uh, Business Week's magazine, like a seven page spread this year. Um, you know, we've, we've been uh, featured on a few different news channels and we've got Zip Trip coming up in a few weeks. And um, we've, it's just, um, it's really rewarding. It's just great to see, you know, the people who live here and have been here forever uh, don't have that, um, we don't look at people who are new, like, why are you here? Or it's more of a, uh, you know, we're so glad you're here. We're so proud of Amesbury. Like, really, you want to live here with us? Uh, and the new people are just, they're just thrilled to be here. And so you have this really great mix of folks. That's awesome. And yeah. for for those of you who um, remember from the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that a couple of years ago, Cassandra was written in as a mayoral candidate by a couple hundred folks in town um, <laughs> because the in, the incumbent was running, I believe, without uh, opposition. And yeah. so and so a bunch of totally unasked, uh, uninvited, and um, apparently welcomed people yeah. wrote your name in. Um, but this time. Cassandra has announced that she is actually running again for re-election, um, an intended re-election campaign. <laughs> so for anyone out there who lives in the Amesbury area and wants to be part of your campaign or wants to help you out, uh, perhaps I could lend you a few moments here to speak a little bit about what is going on in your re-election efforts. That's great. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It did sort of uh, start as this um, unintended endorsement, uh, unexpected endorsement, I should say, from a few folks in town and uh, sort of take, took on momentum from there. So I was thrilled with our campaign two years ago. We do only have two-year terms here. And of course, the last two years have been predominantly uh, taken up with our attention on, on COVID-19 and the pandemic, but we've been very busy otherwise. And uh, a lot of what we've talked about here is, is our focus. It's the, it's the basics, it's the little things. And those take a long time to change and to sort of institutionalize, you know, um, it's a culture shift. Uh, for folks. And I think that the vibrancy that I bring to City Hall and, um, and to the mayor's office is, is what's catching on. And, and in that culture is, um, you know, it, it feeds from the top. So uh, I am thrilled to be announcing and, and starting my campaign for re-election. I'll be on the ballot in November uh, to uh, take office again, starting in January. My website is CassandraGove.com. Um, my Facebook page is committee for Cassandra Gove. And I'm also on Instagram. It's just Cassandra underscore Gove. So you can follow along. We have a couple of events coming up. Um, we do not have a primary, so nothing in September. We're going straight to November 2nd and, uh, we'll just keep, uh, keep working hard, uh, until then and, and keep focused on, uh, the people who live here. You know, we have made, uh, a, a center of our work to say that residents come first. And, um, you know, we, we take that into consideration, even when talking to future businesses, it's about how you fit within the fabric of our community. And, and sometimes that results in tough conversations, but, um, you know, we're building something special here. Well, I appreciate you lending your vibrancy to this small little podcast. Um, Cassandra is one of the few people in my life that every time I see, she just makes me smile. And I love working with you. I love having a chance to catch up with you. I'm sorry that we had to do it on a recorded line, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I really do appreciate you making time and your insanely busy schedule to swing by. Um, for those of you who are looking for more information on Amesbury, simply Google it. It's a wonderful place. Um, if you're interested in supporting Cassandra and her campaign, by all means, um, find her on Instagram, Facebook, and you can always visit her website. Um, I know that she would certainly appreciate the support. Uh, as far as this podcast and future episodes, I look forward to continuing to bring everyone wonderful content in and around the world of real estate. Hopefully today's conversation was informative and helpful. Uh, if you are a realtor, if you're a home buyer, financial advisor, or simply looking to get involved in your local community, um, there are a number of ways for you to reach out, step up, get involved, um, and be well-informed. And that's what this podcast is all about. Just bringing you a little bit of context and clarity and information in and around the home buying process. So thank you everyone for taking the time to swing by and hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS, number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.